Studio Zoe for the Train with the Best podcast. I'm Craig Hoffman with Chris Gores and Lorenzo Alexander. Zoe, we've missed you the past couple. Uh, yeah. you've, been, you've been busy, you know, doing your day job, that whole being a professional athlete, football right. playing thing. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a second. Also, happy belated birthday I at this point that. in the time of recording. We were together on your birthday, which we'll talk about as well. Our main topic today is going to be program design, which I know a lot of people have been asking about. Uh, so this will be a, I would say it's a, it's an episode, a lot designed for trainers, but I guess anybody who's interested enough, uh, to train themselves, uh, even if you're not a trainer would be obviously interested in how yep. to design their workouts. So, um, it's, it's another episode for everybody. We're yeah. just an equal, equal knowledge yeah. opportunity dropper. Right. Inclusion. It's all about inclusion. <laughs> Here at the Train with the Best podcast. But, uh, let's start with, uh, with OTAs. Then we'll talk about the birthday and the 40, the much anticipated oh, yeah. annual oh, yeah. Lorenzo Alexander birthday bash 40 yard dash. Uh, I just came up with that at the top of my head. That's yeah, actually, that's it wasn't good. bad. Yeah. I think yeah. we should like get it. that copyrighted. Every year. Um, how, how, you know, obviously you guys have had a little bit of extra work with the new coach, right. but, uh, how's, how's OTA's gone as they've, uh, progressed and you've adjusted to the Yeah, you know staff. what? It's been pretty good. Um, obviously we have a new system, a new head coach, uh, a, a lot of new, uh, players as well. Um, and the team's completely different. So the last two or three weeks have been really beneficial for us just getting to know everybody, uh, getting to know how coaches coach the scheme, getting to understand where we fit within the the system as of as of right now and uh, really just kind of hone your skills because uh, for some of us, especially like for me, I'm, I'm going to be doing uh, similar but different role this year. I'll be playing a lot more off the ball. I did a little bit of it last year, but um, just be able to hone my eyes. Um, work on some of my pass rush. We got a great uh, pass rushing coach in this year, Mike Waffle, who's been around for a long time, ex-military guy, coached uh, the Giants on the Super Bowl run. Always has bothered Tom Brady with the guys that he's coached. So I've really been working with him a lot. And it's a good then, thing to do in the AFC. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So you know, that, that might be one of the main reasons why they brought him <laughs> right, in. Who, exactly. who has ever beat Tom Brady? Oh well, right. well, these two D lines right here. Who was their coach? Oh, Waffle was. So he's one of the best in the business. Actually, coached at Cal for a long time before I got there. So it's kind of great to be able to work with him. He's he's um, worked with like a lot of the greats uh, throughout uh, NFL history. So it's it's going to be good. And then just working off off the ball stuff. You know, a lot of people uh, were you know you got people on both sides of the ball as far as can Lorenzo do it? He's never done it. You know, not really knowing who I am and what I've done. I have done it before, but now just working on all the little details of playing off the ball. You know, where are your eyes, reading the guard, reading the fullback, reading the dot back. Um, having good feet, being patient, and um, probably the most important thing for me, um, being in more one-on-one coverages, you know, going against guys like Shady or or Clay or whoever else I may line up on a number two receiver, um, being patient with my feet, making it more of a um, not as an athletic game, so understanding my, my coverages, where my safety is, um, and being patient with my eyes. And we've been doing a lot of stuff like that on the field, and you've been a part of that yeah. as well. So just kind of incorporating all that, and it's been great. And I actually have gotten some out of uh, – out of OTAs. I know it's kind of been a big hoopla on Twitter. I think uh, Francis yeah. was on this uh, yesterday right. with uh, Grant and Danny. Yeah. Uh, you know, I listen to CBS Radio, the fan too, and uh, just hearing that whole back and forth and listening to what guys have to say. But yeah, basically, for those uh, yeah. unfamiliar, um, AJ Francis, who's a young player for the Redskins, said, like, the reason I'm at OTAs is because if I didn't go, they'd probably cut me. Right. Whereas yeah. guys like Odell Beckham <laughs> are like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I definitely agree with him. You know, every player's situation is different and then you'll have guys that have solidified spots that'll show up and guys that don't and that's just somebody's personal preference and I would definitely agree with him like 
guys within that locker room, when you see certain guys that you know are known commodities or you can account, you can count on them, you know what's going to happen in, in crunch time, I don't care what you do. I just want you to show up, get ready for training camp, and show up on Sundays. Um, obviously, coaches, any coach is going to want every guy to be there. It doesn't really right. matter because they have that coach's right. mentality. Uh, but at the end of the day, they know who they can trust. And a guy like whoever it may be, Odell, Trent, they know what they're going to get out of them too. They just wish they was there to maybe show some of the younger guys. But at the same time, those younger guys are getting more reps. Right. So right. they're benefiting from them not being there too. Uh, because at the end of the day, you have to be able to play. Um, it's, you learn better when you're actually on the field going through it versus watching a, 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 a Hall of Famer caliber player. Because honestly – what Trent does, the next tackle is not going to be able to do because they right, don't have the exactly same right. gifts or benefits. Right. You no. know, Trent Trevor may even Trent may even try beast. to coach him. Hey, I do it like this. He's like, well, I don't have your <laughs> attributes, so I can't do it. So <laughs> right. it's actually great that they get those extra reps because he's not there. And I think that's one of the maybe unforeseen benefits of having a, maybe one of your superstars not show up because now you can train that death behind him. It's interesting too. You're sitting here in an NFL PA hoodie, like. You guys don't get paid really for this either. Like there's workout bonuses and stuff like that, but it's yeah. not like it's not. Hey, you're ga- making X amount per year and it's divided up in 52 weeks. Right. Y'all get 16 game checks. So. Yeah, yeah. And I think the only the only downfall of not being there if you do suffer injury, you're not covered. You know, right. most of the time a team, depending on who you are, will cover you, but they don't have to. Um, in that sense, and that's probably the only real downfall for a veteran guy. Because even myself, who I'm a guy that likes to show up, I like to be there. I have found that later in my career. I'll now miss or would like to miss the first two weeks when they're just doing workouts and stuff because I get a better workout with my guy. I know what I need versus going out there and just doing something that's generalized for 90 guys versus me. Right. But when we start installing in the leadership role, I understand what that means and I, I will insert myself then. But, you know, it, it, you know, it just depends on the guy and everybody's different. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, that brings us to the 40-yard dash birthday Sorry. bash, uh, which is an <laughs> annual annual thing that you guys have done for how many years now, Chris? Well, this was really know. the inaugural 40-yard dash. No, we did it last year. We didn't do it on your birthday, birthday but right. we did it last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because, because the years before that, it was coming off of injury, so it was, it was a little bit different. So last year, we felt pretty good. We, we, we did it. We, kept, we got low 4.7s last year. Yeah, it was 4.72. Four, seven, I, four, I seven, remember two. all the times. Yeah, you, you know, remember. I, I help him out. Four seven two, and so this year, even January, the the first text that I got was, "I want to be four six by my birthday." I was like, "Okay, here it is." So obviously, we 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 trained for it. That that was in the back of my head. That's not exactly. I didn't program everything just to be, you know, four six by his birthday. But we understood that. All right, this would be a big landmark. Let's see if we can get this. So it was good. You crushed it. And the time came in at four six five. Right. So, That's yeah, pretty, it's a good time, you know. And uh, obviously, good for a thirty four year old. It's really good. I don't think most people, you know, even think I could run that at all. You know, obviously, uh, I, I mainly did it for the Madden guys That's because it. I was. <laughs> I'm a, they had me at a seventy one speed on their last year, and I got caught too many times on some interceptions that I thought I should have had bigger gains. Right. On. Um, and then this year, uh, I was talking to the guy. He said he's gonna have me at a seventy two. Speed. Did you did you Based, like tweet at them? Or yeah, did you yeah. I tweeted them. them. I had my boy Clint Oldenburg. I used to play with. That's now over there. Talked to him. He said he talked to the guy, but he wouldn't change it because when I was. 289 pounds coming out as a D tackle, I ran a five flat. And then based on, I guess, an algorithm they have, now that I'm 34, they calculated that I would be running a 5'2", um, which oh, wow. makes no sense. So the they disrespect. put your... Right. So they had 5'2", <laughs> and then... 
which I think should override anything is your gang speed. Cause he said they factor that in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still was only going to be a 72 on this game, but after running the four, six, five, and I still want to run another one. Cause we still haven't done some of our explosive drills, right, like we're our, not even there yet. our single leg drops and stuff. Last year I ran that four, seven, two right before training camp. So mm. I want to run a five, a four, five, nine. That'd be that'd be great. Wow, but um, that's serious speed. Yeah, like, so, the end of July. Like that, at the end that, of July. Let, that's yeah. That's don't let that be. number wash over if you're listening. To that. Like four, <laughs> five, nine is good for pretty much anybody outside of the skill position, guys. And even for them, like a receiver, if you're the if you're a bigger receiver running four, five, nine, ain't gonna ain't gonna kill you. Right. So I jumped from a seventy-two to I think a eighty-three speed now. So you know I'm happy with that for now. <laughs> I'm happy with that. I can I can definitely yeah. do that. I should, Get some big return yeah. yards on that. And, uh, yeah, so it was, it was fun. And then, uh, you know, the, the the best part that I had, you know, obviously my cousin was out there. Everybody, yeah, right, everybody that saw that. Funny. I was just like, this is going right. to be him blasting me in the time. I, no, no, it's no, not. No, 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 no it's no, not. No, because we had you, another. You had another another runner out there. Yeah, so, you know. Runner you know, might be generous. And and I posted it on <laughs> on um, Instagram, uh, Lorenzo <laughs> underscore John. Uh, it's private, so if you're not accepted, if you're not one of my friends, I'm sorry. But it is on Facebook. I uh, will probably put it out there on Twitter. Uh, yeah, we got to get it on Twitter. Twitter. On Twitter as well, at, at Woman Woman Gang, Gang 97. 97. Um, and, I, you know, in the video, I kind of played it off, but I find the most joy in this uh, because me and my cousin, we go way back to the third, you know, grade as far as playing sports. And he was a pretty dominant athlete as well growing up. You know, obviously something happened and he didn't end up making it. And I'm still playing. And he's, <laughs> he's, he still feels like he can he, – he, you know, he still thinks we're in the eighth grade and he's the better athlete for whatever reason. So, you know, obviously <laughs> I ran my first one. Oh, he was up. Oh, I'm not scared of that. And, you know, we all heard it. And uh, you <laughs> actually, I actually transcribed his words from video. I didn't actually get him on video saying it, but you can hear him saying uh-huh. it. And, you know, he was like, you got me confused with somebody else. You know, you think you can dust me. So, uh, you know, all right, I'm, I'm tired of you talking. He, he starts to talk. He knows how to push my buttons. And by the way, when he starts talking, that means he's really not sure, but he's going to, he had our backed himself in the corner already. Oh, yeah. He had already thrown right. down the gauntlet. Yeah, like, already, so, yeah. you know, At we that line point, up. There was a lot of he like, oh, little, I got a stretch. Right. I got a stretch. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's cool, though. Y'all just go on with your work, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and he no, jumped no, the no. first one, you know, trying to, trying to delay yeah. it or whatever. So you ran three, and then we lined up, and then, and then you scooted back about four or five yards. Yeah, you gave, gave him four or five yard head start. Gave him the start, and then you caught him about 15 yards at least. <laughs> To go, no, if right. not more. Right. I was down by the start line. Chris, you had a better view oh, of the man, end. I was laughing and, the whole and time. you then proceeded to turn around and look at him yeah. as you ran out the final almost half of the race. Yeah, and it and it was fun. I really enjoyed it. That was probably the <laughs> the highlight of my birthday was just dogging him out. And uh so that's why the, vi- the video was called And There Were Two. He wasn't the first one. My cousin who runs track at UNLV, she's a long distance runner, but she swore she could beat me in the two hundred. I did the same thing to her, smoked her. That was kind of her. If you look up in the box on the left, you'll see a, a little picture talking. That's her that I smoked last year. Um, so, and I already have people trying to stand up to me now that, that want to go. But so you can you can run a two hundred. That's a for a yeah. football player. That's yeah, a, I can run a two hundred. But she's, yeah, for a two hundred. I mean, yeah. he's, he, he anything under thirty seconds, he's going to be good. Once okay. we once we get above that, you heard the video. I don't get tired. <laughs> you heard the video. I know what my limits are at though. It's yeah. right around that four hundred mark as well. Yeah, right around that four hundred. I'm not market. doing no eight hundred with no, her. Four hundred. So, yeah. I'm, so I'm we'll running see. those right now. Those suck. Eight hundred yeah. suck worse. 
um, for for the record, uh, I was I came in at four eight seven. We got We got to work on that. Man, that's I think pretty I good got, for not running though. I mean, yeah, really... I, I think with some technique work, I can get down to about where you were, <laughs> right. and then you're just gonna keep going from there, and you're still gonna be faster. I've no, but the, I'm thing is, I'm not bothered by not being able to do what a pro right. athlete yeah. can do because I'm not a pro athlete. <laughs> right. Chris, what do you think? You you didn't run uh, didn't. Th- this year, uh, but what? I'll what do, do it. You think? I'll do it at the end of the summer. Okay. Well, if know, you had to give a prediction, probably somewhere around Zoe. Probably somewhere four six, four seven. I don't know. I have I have yeah. no. We'll clue. see. We'll That'd see. That'd be great. Yeah. You get, I feel like short shuttle kind of stuff is where you just kill it. Your short area burst and quickness would be. Maybe I I don't know. I have yeah, no idea. Yeah, what it's it definitely is quick. Yeah. The funniest thing to me though is, is now that I ran a, a four six five is that now it's validated. I, you know, I see on Twitter. Oh, now we can put Lorenzo Alexander at the wheel linebacker. <laughs> you know, like oh, he ran a four six five. He can run a forty. So all, he all must winter. be athletic right, enough right. to yeah. play it now. Yeah, you know, I wasn't sure, but now he's all good. All winter <laughs> complaining about how the forty means absolutely <laughs> nothing at the combine, but right. sure now it is. Yeah, now oh, yeah, he's good. He's He's good to go. Oh, he's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's, up, what's funny is we, we tweeted about it. We posted. I just posted the picture. Right. I didn't post the video because I thought that you were going to. And nobody wanted to believe it. Everybody right. was like, no, we need the video. We right. need the video. Well, and I understand that. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't got around to the production of that. I was more worried about embarrassing my cousin. <laughs> that, was the, that was first on my agenda. <laughs> so that was good. That was good. All right. Uh, now to the, the meat of the podcast today. Program design is what we're going to talk about today. And um, I was thinking about how we kind of wanted to approach this. And, I, and I, I came back to the same two avenues that we often go down, which is the the athlete kind of plan, which to me then, Chris, gets into some of the phase uh, work of, all right, phase one, start of an off season all the way up to like peaking, ready for season, ready to go. Because obviously programming is going to change throughout an off season, which is when you typically are working the most with guys. And then maybe a word or two on some in season stuff, but there's also, and this is probably the question I get a lot more of like, Hey, how should I do my workouts? If I'm gen pop person, just trying to work out, even if you're at a more advanced stage, because I think a lot of people just get stuck in that three by 10 rut, even if they're super setting stuff, that three by 10 or no periodization, they plateau. They've been doing the same thing for a long time. So how to break that in a more sustained over time kind of plan where you're not worried about ever getting to a, a specific point where like, Zoe, when you're training, you're trying to get ready for the season. There is a right. goal as opposed to right. I'm just working out. Um, and the goal is just to continue to be get the best workouts possible and be in some some level of quote unquote peak shape. Right. So let's start off with the athletic side, and then we'll come we'll circle back to the the more general person who is not training for a season. When when you think about the first step of, of whether it's his off season program, anyone's off season program, what are you kind of thinking about from a programming standpoint um, in the short and the long view? Yeah. So before we even get to the first step, I think it's important to talk about kind of what I program for and what I don't program for. Mm-hmm. So I don't train any bodybuilders. I don't train any Olympic lifters. So if you're looking for those principles, that's just not going to be in the programs that I design. And it's not because I don't know how to do it. I could. I just don't work with those types of athletes. So everything that I've done from a program design standpoint is to take them from wherever it is that they're starting from to the finished product, which is on the field. Everything has to translate onto the field. Um, it's not a bathing suit competition on the stage. It's uh, an athletic competition where movements are involved. So step one is always going to be about addressing movement quality issues. 
right? For me, that means mobile, mobility, stability, uh, balance, addressing any asymmetries and reducing any risks of injury, really, and trying to set that foundation for what we're going to do in, in the meat and potatoes of this program, which is phase two. Phase two is where we really start to push. We really start to increase the intensity and build what we want to build out of this thing. So phase one, movement quality, address any type of injury risks, mobility, stability, and that's going to be something that continues on into the program, not something that we just focus on the first two weeks and forget about, but something that where we lay the foundation, right, and then start to get ourselves ready to push. Yeah. Right. So that's the, I think the biggest thing is for even someone like you, Zoe, who has lifted your whole life, um, you've now worked with him and know some of the things that he really likes. And as we've talked about before, you're a pretty easy client. You don't need to have the variety that some other people do because they're going to get bored. You're going to do stuff because you know what the goal is and you don't need some kind of mental trick to stay engaged. You're just, you're here for the work. Um, so even you though, every off season will go through phase one as you go right. through that kind of alignment type of work. How important have you found it over the last couple of years working with Chris? That's probably the, uh, the most important part of it. Uh, <clears throat> creating that great foundation, uh, mobility, uh, lengthening, strengthening, um, creating more range of motion um, because that's all uh, going to reinforce health and staying healthy over a period of time. Because if you build on top of a crack foundation, at some point something is going to give out. Yeah. So that's what we really try to focus on, whether I'm doing Pilates, corrective exercises, um, you know, just stretching. I do stretch to win as well. Um, it's all about trying to find some of the inequalities in my body and some things that I may find out during the season I may even hurt or just some general things I have just the way God made my body. And it's trying to strengthen those areas and open them up. And then we start going into that strength phase and then obviously power phase and all those different phases that we kind of hit throughout the off season. But the that foundational piece of mobility and strengthening and lengthening is probably the most important for me. And when yeah. you're in that phase, what's the actual program look like? The balance between stretching, correctives, um, some what we would consider strength exercises, but at lower weights where range of motion might be the emphasis. How do you kind of legitimately so that, program that? So there's, a, there's two things. The first thing is to identify whatever asymmetries there are, which is really the easy thing. It's really easy to go out there and be like, the knees valgusing, the shoulders are rolling, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But then the hard part is to, or the, the challenge is to address why those things are happening. Is it a hardware issue or is it a software issue, right? Is it, is it something that I can cue him out of or cue her out of? Or is it something that no matter how much I cue it, no matter what position I put them in, they just physically can't do it, right? So it's, it's, it's important to address why those things are happening. Right, and, and then, then also if it's they physically can't do it, why? Because as we all exactly. know, Again, sometimes right. you know the problem with the foot is actually in the shoulder or something right. ridiculous something, like something that. Something that's wrong with your knee is has nothing to do with the knee at all. Right, could be your ankle, could be your hip, could be your core. Right. Or I can just be is. stiff and can't get into the spot because yeah. I've had surgeries, or yeah. I'm just bi built that way. And I think right. he's done a great job identifying that yep. because you do have trainers out there. As well. It has to look. Like this, or yeah. you can't do it. I, you know, I've had Pilates instructors. Well, I just can't do it. it. Doesn't make sense. Or even in college, they wouldn't let me lift because I couldn't get into a certain position. It was just I can't, I can't get right. there. But I need right. to still do something, right, to kind of move forward. And now that's your turn to use your expertise right, right. to kind of figure have, out how to get me, to, get me there. Yeah. And when you're when you're looking for these asymmetries or deficiencies or whatever, you're not looking for one or two things. What you're looking for are patterns of things like. 
what are the trends that are happening? Do I see it here? Do I also see it here? Do I see it in this position? Do I see it in a single leg? You know, so I'm not always, I don't, I don't put any particular value on one or two things. I'm just looking at the overall picture and because I know it's important to understand that it's not just one or two things that's going to be the magic bullet here, right? So I have to be able to identify trends and patterns in the movement. Right. Um, and then, again, go into the hardware-software issue. So then it's always mobility, stability for me, and then it's always going to be increasing the uh, range of motion. In the beginning, it's going to be increasing that range of motion and stability through that range of motion. Can he or she keep great posture, perfect posture, perfect form throughout a very a very big range of motion and then as we start to transition into phase two that range of motion gets shorter the movement becomes less complex but the intensity goes way way high right so right. so going from phase one is very complex it's a coordination based challenge um it's a range of motion type of challenge we're challenging the stability of the movement and then in phase two we're simplifying all the movements and intensifying everything where we're, we're trying to move as much weight as possible. And then all the way into phase three, then we add a little bit more of complexity and movement, not quite what we're doing in phase one, but there's a whole heck of a lot more speed to it. Right. So that power phase, uh, which is what you were talking about earlier with the 40 that you guys haven't hit yet. Yeah, we haven't even touched right. that. Yeah. This off season. Um, I know something that we talked about, uh, we talked about actually in a couple of bonus pods is, is your session length. You always try to keep it less yep. than an hour. Um, in terms of filling that hour, um, four blocks, three blocks, you know, how, how, do, how does that change as you go through the different phases and, and what are you putting in those blocks? And um, I think this is probably a good time to kind of get into some of the undulating lin- yeah. and nonlinear program design um, that we've talked about in, in some of the bonus pods but haven't hit on a studio session yet so we can get a little more depth. Yeah, and just to kind of clarify, linear program design was really something that bodybuilders followed because they knew when their next competition was. They could tell you that they're six weeks out or 12 weeks out or where they should be going all the way up into um, their competition schedule. Um, for us, it's, it's a lot more undulating. We, we'll, we'll flip between movement quality, movement quantity. Um, we'll flip between hypertrophy and power and max strength. It doesn't follow this linear pattern of, like the National Academy of Sports Medicine will say, like foundation all the way up into strength, hypertrophy, and then all the way up into power. That's not necessarily this linear path that we follow. We're kind of going up and down, up and down, and all around. Um, so that's kind of the first thing there. Um, but for session length, the other thing with session length is when you're, when you're working in the personal training industry and somebody pays you for a 60-minute session because that's what was on the brochure that they saw, then it kind of has to be 60 minutes, right? Because that's what they paid for. And then you've got your next client coming in and that's, you have to start on schedule. You have your 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. I don't have that anymore. And it's a luxury for me, so I kind of got away from that. There was one day I was just thinking, like, why am I still programming everything for 60 minutes? Let's just get done what we need to get done. If we get it done in less, great. If we, it takes a, takes a little bit more time, that's fine, too. Right. Right? So um, I know that everybody doesn't necessarily have that luxury, but just get done what you need to get done. And so for us, it's going to be, if it's a max strength day, it's probably going to take a little bit longer. Um, if it's a hypertrophy day, it's probably going to take a little bit longer. If it's a speed and power day, we're going to be short that day. We should be. Um, but yes, I am also aware that, you know, I, I don't want to take away from all of the other things that are going on, especially once we get into OTAs and everything else. We can't, we can't have what's happening on the field 
um, be impacted by what's going on in a detrimental way by what's going on in the weight room. It has to supplement. It has to, to build to that. So if I had to cut down to 45 minutes, 50, 55 minutes to get the athletes in and out, then, then that's what I want to do. And I want to hit one or two or three things that day that I'm going to hit the targets every single time and get them going so that they can, they can feel good and be fresh and go hit the field or the court and, and, and be great. No, no, that's great. I think it's important that um, all strength coaches understand that you don't win football games necessarily in the weight room. And like you said, you got to be right. available on the field. And um, the guys I've I've been around with, um, Eric Ciano up in Buffalo, obviously with Chris Gores, they've done a great job of once we start football, they change their programming up to fit to what we're doing on the field. Obviously, wide receivers and DBs are running a lot more. So now we're not squatting as heavy or doing a heavy emphasis on, you know, your hamstrings or it's more stability stuff, strengthening stuff, kind of going back down just to kind of get things firing. Um, and then so when you go out to practice, you're ready to kind of be running around. Things are engaged and you don't have that same wear and tear and then overdo it in practice and there goes a hamstring. Right. That maintenance lift kind of is, is where you're at during the season. How, how long are your lifts during the season? During the season, I mean, they're really quick. They're like maybe 30 to 30 minutes, 30, 40. If you go in there and just hit it, it's probably about 30 to 40 minutes, depending on if if you want to go heavier. Some guys, and some guys are different. You have obviously your, you know, your receiver DB type that it's a fly-by-night type lift. So theirs may be 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I may go in there and it may be 35, 40 minutes on a Monday, but then towards the end of the week, especially closer to Friday, it's like just speed. Uh, uh, power and, and I'm in and out maybe like 20 minutes and just hitting a little bit of core so it just depends on the guy and, and what they really like to do and then linemen you know they live in there yeah um how much are you spending in those different phases of hypertrophy versus uh you know an endurance a, a power a strength when you get in season um it's really just all there's maintenance. no, hi- there's it's no, no hypertrophy, hypertrophy. yeah right. it's really yeah. just all maintenance type things um, on Monday, uh, we, this normally on my squat day and depending on how I'm feeling, um, especially early in the season, I'll still get pretty heavy. Same on bench. I like to try to maintain my strength as much as possible. I know a lot of athletes, um, which I don't necessarily agree with will start going to machines. And then I think you lose some of that stability oh, yeah. that you, that you will have doing free weights. And at the end of the year, I found out that a lot of times, I'm just strong. I'm just stronger than guys. They've gotten, you know, just because they're not still doing things that allow them to engage their entire body. Um, and then I also supplement in Pilates with that as well. Some other things to kind of help me stay functionally strong and, and, and engaged. That's maybe a little bit more low impact. Um, but definitely trying to stay with the free weight, even if I have to go way down. I may have like last year. I pulled my hamstring in week eight. I still did some squats that next day. I could still do it, but I just took the weight way down just so I could still get the range of motion. My body could engage and see where I was hurting that and see where some of the uh, um, uh, inequalities were in my body that I could uh, still feel. And then during the week, I got treatment on those areas because you can obviously engage right. a little bit better. You can see where it's at. Oh, man, it's right here. It's there versus a machine where I can kind of hide it a little bit or yeah. the machine helps you. So those are some of the things I found out through my career that's really helped me during, you know, December in January, if I'm lucky to play in the playoffs where I'm still strong. And that's yeah. the thing too, with, I think I remember a couple of years ago when I was covering uh, the Texas Rangers baseball wise. And, you know, I heard that Elvis Andrews, their shortstop. Oh yeah. He'll, he'll come in a little heavy, but that's because he knows he's going to lose 15 pounds during the season. It's like, what? 
you know, these guys are out there every day, and yeah. right. especially if you're yeah. playing in Texas, you got, yeah. you know, 80 games a year in yep. that Texas heat. It's no joke. Um, but I think that, that athletes now are so much more aware that like you got, and football has obviously, I think been this way a lot longer than other sports. But, like you have to lift during the season. You're going to lose so much if you don't lift. And even if it is that 30 minutes where you're just getting some strength, some power and really making sure those muscles stay strong. Like you're going to, as you said, you're going to come up against guys who late in the season are not going to have it. And the guys who work the hardest aren't going to all of a sudden be tired. They're going to be the ones that still have that strength coming down the stretch and hopefully for them and their teams in the playoffs. Yeah. Right. And if you were just listening to Zoe, I mean, from a, from a science perspective, when you start to get onto a machine, the, the neuromuscular demand is a lot less. You don't have to control that weight. You just have to move that weight. Right. So for you to have a similar output neuromuscularly, you, the weight has to go high, which is maybe why guys like to go to the machines because it's not as stressful on their bodies. It doesn't feel as stressful because right. central nervous system doesn't have to work as much. Right. But if you are able to stick with the free weights and, and, and functional movements where there's a lot of brain stimulation, a lot of coordination, that that is going to get your muscles firing a lot more, even with lighter weights and help you maintain that strength throughout the season. Right. So if you're, if you're looking to see what you should be doing in season, there shouldn't be any machines at all in the machine in, in this, in the, in season. If anything, the only time you're using machines is in the off season when you're really focusing on hypertrophy, because right. again, we're going to, we're going to simplify this movement as much as possible. I only want this weight to move one way. I don't want you to focus on coordination here. I just want you to focus on progressive overload. But progressive overload is gone in the in, in the middle of the season. Right. So it has to be coordination based. Machines are are good for training muscles, not movements. Like if you really want to isolate a quad, a leg extension is fine. Sure. Um, but if you're trying to work your quad in, in a functional way, like go squat. Go yep. do a lunge. Squat, do, single leg squat, lunge. Yeah, there, there's literally any other exercise that you uh, that we would rather have you do from an athletic yep. standpoint. So right. to, to do that during the season. And, and that's why I think a lot of the technology that lets you know where your body is is great because sometimes you play you know, 60, 70 plays, you come in the next day. I understand why guys do it. You just feel like trash. Or if you played yeah. a doubleheader or whatever it may be, whatever sport that is that puts that stress on your body, um, you feel a certain way, but I think you're sh- – um, uh, you know, just underplaying what you really your potential is because you actually can, can go in there and actually if you get a workout in and lift, you actually feel a lot better anyway after yeah. you're done yeah. uh, working out. So yep. if you feel that way, especially, you know, with high school, college, or, you know, if you're a professional athlete listening to this or just a, a, a guy that's doing a weekend warrior thing, um, definitely go in on that Monday and do something that is – um, you know, functional and it's going to get you moving and you're going to feel a lot better versus either sitting there or doing something that is kind of doing a shortcut, you know, whether it's machine based or not. I do find yeah. it interesting though, that your heavy squat day is Monday. Yeah. Right after, as opposed to taking that rest. Cause I know the best that I can for someone who has never gone through an NFL game, just from talking to enough of you guys, how awful your body feels on Monday. Yeah. And, and a lot goes into that depending on, um, you know, how many snaps you played, you know, what time of the year. But I try to go heavy as long as I can. At some point, I start shutting it down, but I just like I just have to fight through it mentally because my body can do it. You know, it's, um, it's just yeah. getting through it mentally and getting through that, that initial uh, drag of having played a game yesterday. But once you get up, get moving around, do some treatment, I mean, you go in there and you can knock it out. Yeah, and remember, Tuesday's the day off in the NFL. Right. 
So you, you rather get those squats in now and then get that day off. Right. Make your hard you days hard, make up. your easy days easy. <laughs> right. It's going to be right. hard anyway. Yeah. And then on Tuesdays, yeah, I'm not just sitting there. I'm still doing like Pilates or something where mm -hmm. I'm moving, low impact. You always, you always got to keep constantly moving. Um, people often want to sit down, and that's why I never sit down after the season because that's when I lose it all. You know, you sit down for a week or two and it's, you have nothing left. You know, at least you have a little bit left after the season where you can kind of start reengaging and firing, at least maintain it so you're not starting from uh, ground zero or even worse. Yeah. Um, if, if you want to know what it's like, uh, on a Monday after an NFL game, go get in a car crash. And then, uh, the best podcast is not right. actually in your right. in a car crash. What I, I always find that a little funny, like in the, in the middle of the season, fans in particular will say, man, these guys are so injury prone or this and that. And, and like, my answer to that is this, you can't run that fast. So get a bike, ride your bike 20 miles per hour into a brick wall. Do that 40 times every Sunday for 16 Sundays in a row and then tell me how injury prone you are. Right. You know, And how injury prone your bank account is. That's a lot of bikes. <laughs> yeah. hope, you, hope you got a bike yeah. deal. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, that, if you've never done it or you don't really, you've done it maybe at a lower level, you just don't understand the speed no, and, the, and the contact. Yeah, and so, there's a huge difference between what you thought you, you all were are playing insane, in football. Right, it's, it's right. Really yeah, I mean, it is. It and is. Some guys it's are built for it, some guys aren't, you know, and that's why certain guys get hurt more often. But, I mean, at the end of the day, those guys are going out there and trying to give all their all and their body yeah, sometimes absolutely. gives out on them. Yep. And it just is part of it's it. Part it's of part game. of the game. So, uh I, only time I have an issue with people is when they come from a disrespectful side of like, like you could go out here and do this and, and be <laughs> yeah. great. Like you would never get hurt. You know? <laughs> right. it's, it's a way about approaching or criticizing somebody without having to be demeaning or disrespectful. Right. And yeah. people are too often too lazy to do that. They just want to throw out the first <laughs> thing that comes to their mind. Right. No, I, I, Hey, like this is your job. Go do it. I'll tell you on my radio show if I thought you did it well or not. But if I'm wrong, then you can tell me. Uh, that's always the way I've approached it. Uh, that's a different show, though. Uh, so back to program. Back design. to program design. Anything else we want to touch on? Yes, yeah, so there's, there's, there's different program designs that have to live within your program when you're training athletes. So there's there's the program that design that lives within the weight room, right? So mm -hmm. that goes from movement quality to movement quantity to game speed, right? And then there's the conditioning part. So the conditioning part goes from volume to intensity. We start with a lot of volume, hopefully non-impact, getting them on the rowers, getting them on uh, in the bike, getting them on ellipticals, whatever it is. And a lot of my sets are two to one, one to one, one to two work to rest ratios there. Right. So if we're, if we're on for 30 seconds, we're off for 30 seconds. Or we're on for a minute, off for a minute. Or on for two minutes, off for one minute, right? I'll have you do these bike intervals right. where we're on for two, off for one, whatever it is. And then those intervals start to get shorter as we get closer to the season, but the intensity goes way, way up. Yeah. Right? So, for instance, like we, maybe we're doing gassers once a week, but those gassers are we're going to do eight gassers at probably a 17 pace, half gassers, I right. would say. Yeah. Right? But then as we get closer to the season, right, the rest periods go up. We're not going to do as many gashes, so we're doing eight gashes. Now we're only doing six, but those gashes are in 15 instead of 17. You know what I mean? And then we get real close to the season. Now we're only doing four, but those gashes are in 14 um, instead of 17 where we started. So from a weight room perspective, quality, quantity, game speed, from a conditioning perspective, it's got to be volume moving towards intensity. And then from the the skills perspective, it has to go from – 
regular reaction to recognition to anticipation to dictating the game, right? So, so there's all of these things that, that have to happen within your program design for an athlete. What happens in the weight room? What happens from an energy systems development standpoint? And then what happens, what you're doing when, when you're training the mind? Okay, we're training you to react to lights, now we're training you to react to a ball. Now we're actually putting you into game situations so that when you see this on the field, you can just play instinctually right. versus having to try to think about what's going on out there. That's great. Now, I have a question because I, I, I grew up playing football kind of in the still of the old school mentality, having old school coaches. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is your thought? Because I, I, I still think there's a um, – a place for where you just have to grind and it may not even be program like yep. sound, but you're pushing kids past yep. what they feel they can do. Yep. Like versus a high school kid, a college kid, and then a pro athlete. Yep. Obviously they're all different stages of the career, yep. but that grind, I might not need obviously at 13 years. I know how to grind. Yeah. I got that mentality already, but that yep. high school kid, if you set them up on the same program as I do, you no. may, they may not never ever hit that grind. So, no. what, what's your your thoughts on that? Or your so, uh, yeah, for the high school kid, and this this goes back to like a youth athlete versus an elite athlete. Mm -hmm. Youth athletes need more attempts. They need more volume because they're either not going to get it right away, or um, they're not going to give you the intensity that they they should be. Right, elite athletes. If you tell, if I told you or another elite athlete, give me everything you can in five reps. You're going to give me everything you can in five reps. If I told that to a youth athlete, there's no way because their perceived their perceived level of effort versus their real level of right. effort is not as close as what it should be, right? Mm -hmm. For for an elite athlete, that max level of effort and their perceived max level of effort, that's pretty close. Okay. For a youth athlete, that's not close. So I can't give you if, – if I'm doing a 5RM for you, mm -hmm. that turns into an 8RM for a high school athlete. Okay. That turns into a 10 or 12RM – for a regular person. And right. if I'm doing ones, I can give you a one RM, right. but that turns into a three or a four RM for a high school kid. Okay. Right. Cause they're just, they're just not going to get there. Yeah. They don't know how to, they don't know how to redline their bodies. Right. Like yeah. It's so true That's in great. gen pop stuff too, where I, I'll do a, a five by five. And if I, if I were to do a five by five with you, it's like, all right, we're going to have to six, seven, eight minutes of rest because you're going to give five like your five rep max what we put on there yep. if it's not actually your five rep max you're gonna be like that's too light right them i go hey how hard was that on a scale of one to ten? Oh, it's an eight and then two minutes <laughs> later they're ready to go it's like yep. all right if that was really an eight right. then yeah. you would need another five minutes of to rest right that makes sense because i'll just keep going you know it may be a five rep max but if i feel like i have eight or nine in the tank yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll just keep going with the yeah. weight so I, I, that makes a lot of and, sense and, and you're and you're way more comfortable than the high school athlete where you're starting to approach true failure right whereas mm -hmm. most people will start to approach failure get to about 80 percent, and be like nope that's it that's all i got right. you're gonna take it to 99.9 percent .9 to the point where you might actually pass out and right. be like that was it that's all i got right or need a spot or whatever it is too <laughs> like yeah. that that experience i think matters a ton where like any of the three of us could get on a bench and like, all right, let's give this a shot. Whatever the weight is, obviously going to be a lot more for you than right, it would right. be for, for us. <laughs> of like, all right, hey, we're going to try this for five, but if we get three and or two and a half and need a spot, then so be it. Um, whereas like the idea that you might get to a point if you're an inexperienced lifter where you can't push that bar away from your head or your chest or off of you, like that's too terrifying to even approach. Right. Yeah. So. I yep. think that that is a huge difference. Anything else, athlete-wise, we want to hit? Yeah, I think I think we just we just hit them all. I mean, I, I just I just want to kind of 
tell people that there's more than just what happens in the weight room because it's, mm. it's pretty. The weight room stuff is actually pretty simple to me, at least at this point. It's it's starting when, when you start to blend that all into um, everything else that happens, and then finding solutions for when you thought that you were going to be able to do this, but you can't. Right? Like I wanted Zoe to do this, but he likes sumos better, so we replace it with sumos, and then whatever else whatever else I wanted to do like on a straight bar deadlift, then I've got to get that somewhere else. And that's fine. That's exactly why I'm here. That's why this is individualized training, right? It's not yeah. it's not me just, hey, this is the program, do this program, you know? It's trying to find solutions for the athlete. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um a question that I get a lot and this includes uh, I was talking to one of the trainers I work with, my boy D'Angelo, friend friend of the pod, yep. a frequent listener of the pod. What's today, up, today? And uh D was going like and this is D'Angelo's a f- phenomenal trainer in his own right. Um, has had extreme success, but he's looking at his own workouts and going, I'm plateauing right now. And so for someone like that, and I think this is a lot of people like I think the the general person who is listening to this podcast finds it because they are trying to get some kind of edge in their workouts that they are even if they are versed in a lot of different training things. They don't necessarily have the goal of like, I'm getting ready for a season. It's just, I like to work out. I'm trying to be in my peak shape. I'm trying to be the best I can for that kind of person, which in many ways is me as well. Like, how would you program uh, for that kind of person? And I, this is where I think the, the undulating and linear, uh, non-linear programming has been really good since I started using this a couple yeah. of months ago. So linear program, ago. going back to linear program, if you don't have six months that you're going to dedicate to this and then follow each phase for six to eight weeks per phase, then it's probably not ideal for you. And if you're somebody that's going to get bored with a particular phase after three weeks, then Me. that's probably not ideal for you. So <laughs> oh, what, I, man, what, I would, what I would recommend is, is going, changing your phases to, into three weeks and uh, take, take like a, a curveball week. So every, every four weeks, you're going you're gonna to follow something for three weeks because you want to get good at something, mm-hmm. right? And, and follow whether it be you're focusing on your bench that those three weeks or your deadlift or whatever. Focus on it, get good at it, and then right where you're starting to feel good at it, throw something else at, uh, throw throw something else out there, throw a curveball week in there, and then the next three weeks after that, focus on something else. So it could be like I'm, I'm focusing on max strength and keeping my sets between, you know, three to six reps, and then the next three weeks it's going to be eight to twelve. And then the week after that, we're going to come in and do, do ones through threes, you know? Um, and then in your curveball weeks, you're just throwing some fun stuff out there, whether it be, you know, some kettlebell stuff or some tires or whatever else is out there. Just throw some fun stuff out there. The thing I like, too, though, is, is the mixing of it all at once yep. where, where you have like, all right, let's do a, And this goes back to this is in part two, I believe, of the bonus pot at the works where it's like, all right, let's take a strength face and we're, we're going to mix pair up say hip dominant and upper push and then right. uh, upper pull and knee dominant and say, all right, why, why would we go through phases when we can do all three phases at once? Um, yeah. or all, you know, how to have, if you want to go all the way to power strength, as opposed to just strength, hypertrophy, endurance, um, thinking of the three phases that way, mixing it up all at once and, and, you know, alternating that way i loved programming that way and in the month or so that i've been doing that with my clients they seem to really like it too because it it allows for a variety in your programming where you can constantly mix stuff up now if you have a a bench goal obviously every time you hit up or push you're gonna bench right um but 
it allows me who doesn't have a particular bench goal at the moment to go like, all right, well maybe on my upper push day where the upper push is heavy, I'm going to shoulder, I'm going to overhead press and I'm going to get that vertical loading pattern in and, and maximize my push strength that way. So to me, it just allows for a variety that a lot of programs might not. And if you're someone who has a lot of tools in your tool toolbox and likes using them, um, to keep things interesting, different, creative, then yeah. I, I love that that style. So of let's just let's just do bench because bench is one that yeah. everybody loves to do. Yeah. So I would I would start with <laughs> you should start with legs. So yeah. Nobody likes to nobody do wants that. to do legs. Nobody they wants need to. to. They wants need to, to do, do them. <laughs> everybody <laughs> deadlifts. So here's what I would do. Here's what I would do with bench. First, like you got to be able to do 20 good push-ups. If you can't do 20 good push-ups, like stop benching. Start doing some more push-ups. <laughs> All right. So we're on the bench. First thing that I would do is alternate day one and day two. So if you're going to do incline barbell, then you're going to do flat dumbbell the next day. And then if you're going to do the other way around, if you're going to do flat right. barbell, then do incline dumbbell, right? And throw in some single arm stuff there too. So I would start, let's just do barbell, flat bench, just to kind of talk about the progression. So for the first three weeks, I'd probably do earthquake. So earthquake is when I'm calling it earthquake because that's when I put the bands around the bar and then the, the, the weight is hanging off those bands. So it creates this kind of look stability effect. So again, we're working on range of motion instability. Then, and then I would go from there to a regular bench um, and then probably keep that through for, for five pluses. Right. And then, and then out from there, I would go to five pluses again, but with some sort of accommodated resistance. So now using those bands to give you accommodated resistance. Now, this is phase three now. So first three weeks, earthquake, then five plus for the next three weeks, then accommodated resistance for the next three weeks, and then your last three weeks would probably be your three pluses. So that's, that, that, that gives you four months of bench press training, and I promise you your bench is going to go up. Yeah, and that's only part of your workout. And then you're, you're doing I mean, that with... That's not your only part right, of your workout, but when you're doing bench, saying, that's right. your workout. So that's, that's like your focus at the top. But then you can round out your workout on the, you know, the movement uh, pattern matrix in terms of uh, which planes of motion you're working in, right. um, the complexity of the, work, uh, of the movement. So maybe later, you, you know, you're pairing your upper push with, with a knee-dominant day. And so maybe later you have push-pull squats, Yep. Um, which is one that's it's a favorite of yours, I know, uh, as as modeled by Ali Krieger on somewhere <laughs> on Chris's Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, and that kind of stuff is later at a higher rep, not in a power phase later in your workout. Yeah. So you have the ability to round out a workout um, and kind of hit. And it's literally like if you think about it in terms of a matrix of you can do upper pull, upper push, hip dominant, knee dominant, and then vertical and horizontal loading pattern, single, you know, unilateral, bilateral. Yeah, I'm always You're literally... That trying to check as many boxes as possible yep. within your workout while keeping it reasonable in length right. um, and not killing yourself yeah. on, on that's overload. really comp that's really complex so <laughs> it, it is but like that's the kind of stuff it, that i think it sounds, people it sounds really trainers complex, yeah. trainers that are listening to this i think will fully understand that and go yeah like, you want to oh, you want to try okay. to fill in as many boxes as possible so the first box is can i can i can i load all of these movements hip knee push pull Right. Then can I can I load them in the vertical and horizontal plane? Can I cover the sagittal, frontal, and transverse planes? Can I hit all three phases of this force velocity curve where it's heavy mass, fast acceleration, somewhere in between? Mm -hmm. So those are all things that you have to kind of program into, and that can live within the workout, within the week, within the month, within the entire program. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, check out as many boxes as you can. 
And I think that's, that's kind of cool, especially for someone who, when you, cause you, a lot of times we talk about like within the program, for a lot of people, there isn't a program. It's just a constant, like lifelong thing where you might not have a specific goal. It's different if you have like, all right, well this, this by September, I'm trying to hit this. Then you need to come up with a program and kind of a long view. But if you're just kind of trucking along, programming because you want to keep working out yeah. and being in shape. Like. I, pro- I program just one day at a time. Like right. It just depends on how I feel that day, right. how much sleep I got, <laughs> you hey, know, uh, you what my schedule is like. Yeah, you know? come on come on by, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Come on over to the, the old stomping grounds. That's it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the easiest way to do it, if you can create create a why. I mean, because yeah. I'm just out here working out, even though I have right. a, obviously I have a reason why I work out right now, but in a minute, a year or two is going to be gone. So then I have to create another reason why that I need to go out and still work out. Cause that's an important part of how many years post retirement you can stay in the four sixes. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, for me is then, okay, how long can I beat my son in, right. in the 40 or, you know, me going out with practice with them or do I want to play in this, you know, softball league or basketball league or play golf. You have to yep. create a, I guess a why within your own life that you want to be able right. to do at a high level. And a high level is obviously relative to who you are and what you're doing. But uh, just being active in that sense, whether you have kids, whether you play basketball on Saturday money, uh, mornings with all your buddies, um, because at the end of the day, you, you don't need to lift 400 pounds. You know, no, they're, right. they're, nobody needs to be doing you know, that. When I'm done, I'm not going to do that. That's not increasing your quality of life or your strength or your functionality. And that's what it's all about. So yeah. I think you need to understand that as far as where you sit in and be comfortable with that. Because obviously, when you go into a gym, you may see a guy like me walk in there or you may see an 80 year old guy. Um, depend on what gym you're at, and you're going to see all levels. So just be confident in where you're at and work toward your, toward your goals and uh, and be happy with that. And I think that's always key. Yeah, creating that goal, that why, good idea. Uh, just take it from someone who's doing it right now. Making that goal to run an 800 is not a <laughs> – don't do that. Sam Gunther, I hate you. Uh, we'll leave that there. Uh, anything else we want to add uh, on, on the pod for program design? I think we covered a lot today. We did. That's yep. like 50 minutes of really good stuff. Yep. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> yep. Uh, be a great communicator. You know, obviously, I was just coaching a whole bunch of six and seven year olds. So, <laughs> communication is key when yes. you are programming. You know, you can come up with all these complicated movements and stuff, but if you can't communicate and get your client to do it uh, what you want them to do, it doesn't make sense. That's the other thing, man. Like, when it comes to program design, like, you have to make it human. There's the right. science part of it, but then to, to make it come off of that piece of paper or that mm-hmm. Excel spreadsheet that you. Yep work so hard on there ha- you have to have the right connection with somebody like i always co- compare it to the iphone right like that iphone is incredible but without that 20 dollar cord that plugs into the bottom of that phone and into the wall there's no connection that's going to keep that thing going so you can have the greatest thing in the world but if there's nothing to connect right then it's it's this useless yep. right so you can have the best program design in the world and said man i hit all my boxes and we're going to do this and we're going to do that this is going to be incredible but if you can't connect with your athlete or your client, you might as well, you might as well not write one. Right. Coming up next week on the show, Redskins linebacker Will Compton. He's uh, he's an interesting dude, good yes, dude. He is. Um, but his training has been interesting. He says he always goes back to Nebraska, trains Rocky style. We'll find out exactly <laughs> what that means. Is he is he somewhere in a cave punching meat? Uh, we'll figure out what Will Compton is doing. Uh, obviously plays a similar position to Zoe. This is an NFL linebacker. How does he train in the offseason? A guy who has really made it on hard work. An undrafted free agent who has now uh, made his way to not just starting, but a captaincy position uh, with the Redskins Sounds in the like league. Sounds like a familiar story. Yep. yep. So... Uh, 
We'll get Will in here, talk to him. Uh, and of course, as always, if you guys have any questions, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Craig Hoffman. He's at Trainer Gores. He's at One Man Gang 97 on Instagram as well. At Craig underscore Hoffman and at Trainer Gores. And only if you're friends with Lorenzo. Uh, <laughs> so that's it for this week's edition of the show. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Always appreciate those of you who do. And we'll see you next week on the Train with the Best podcast.